0: The following program contains adult content. It is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. This content is not safe for work. If you are a pearl clutcher, a prude, or a pious type, just don't listen. Welcome to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to episode two of there are no nice guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. As I say in the intro, my name is Laura Coronado and I am your host. And if you listened to the premiere episode and have returned for episode two, welcome back and thank you for coming back. I must have done something right in that first premiere episode. If you didn't listen to that first episode and this is your first time listening, thank you for joining me. In my first episode, I talk about the inspiration behind There Are No Nice Guys what kicked off the podcast, uh, what got me going on that, what I mean when I say there are no nice guys. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend that you do. Since this podcast is specifically about divorce, dating, and sex, I thought it would be cool to make episode two about divorce, episode three about dating, and episode four about sex and then after that, we'll cover all kinds of topics that are sex related and divorce related and dating related and everything that single women can relate to. So as I said, this is episode two, and it will be specifically about divorce. And I am interviewing my work BFF, Jody, who is, well, she is freshly experiencing divorce. By the time this episode airs, she will have filed and completed her divorce. But the time I interview her, well, she's actually going through the motions. So I highly recommend listening to it just because you're going to get that fresh, real, straight out of the sludge, smudge and grime of it all. And she's very expressive and very honest. And allows herself to be remain to remain vulnerable and, and just real with us. I thought it might be a good idea to talk about my own divorce before I go into the interview with Jody. In the premiere episode, I do reveal to you that one, I've been divorced for four years, and two, that it felt like I'd been married a thousand years. By the time I got divorced, it was twenty two years, twenty two years of monogamy and living under the same roof with one person. So yeah, it got to feel like a thousand years by the end of it all. Um, The marriage probably ended around year 20. Uh, I remained two years after that, thinking that I could somehow save the marriage, which you can't do alone. (laughs) The other person has to want to do that too. In my situation, the other person did not or at least clearly communicated the signals to me that he didn't want to save it. And it wasn't until at the end of those two years that he finally did admit to me that, in his words, he didn't want to spend eight hours a day busting his ass at work and then have to come home to work on his goddamn marriage. And that's when I knew. That's, that, that was the out that I finally fucking needed to pack my things and leave his ass, but it was two years of me trying to save it. It was two years of me feeling unloved, unwanted, undesired, and it was two years of a sexless, loveless marriage that was just basically dead. I couldn't revive it on my own. and. As cruel and as biting as his words were at the end, they really were the doorway I needed to see myself out. Divorce hurts and it's hard and it's heartbreaking, but it can be the life raft that you need to move on to something better and to finally focus on yourself So if you're going through something like that similar, if you're married, if you're newly divorced and wondering if you did the right thing, if you're single and you're wondering what marriage is like, I think this could be a really good and important episode for you to listen to. So again, thanks for joining me for episode two. And next, let's interview Jodi and let's get her insight into divorce and dating and sex you're listening to there are no nice guys a podcast about divorce dating sex and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys I am talking to a newly single woman today and it's my friend Jody. Jody, welcome for welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me.
0: I thank you so much for being here. I know you've going, been going through a lot lately, um, so for taking the time out, um, and of course having a glass of wine with me. What are you drinking?
1: <laughs> yeah, it has definitely been a busy summer, and I'm actually drinking a petite Syrah right now from California. Go ahead and pop and- the brand.
0: I don't have any sponsors yet, and I'm, I might want some. Go, go, go ahead and say the brand name.
1: It's Concanon, and I normally would not have picked this off the shelf. I'm going to be very honest. Living in, I live in Philadelphia, and uh, we have wine delivery. The options are limited, though, for delivery. And I literally just picked the top three reds to have them brought to my door because I was feeling lazy.
0: Mm. Um, and this happened to be
1: one of them, and it's actually quite delicious.
0: Nice. I am drinking Toso Brut. That my Good friend, Valentina gave me one of my BFFs, and um, it's from Argentina. It's a sparkling wine. Oh, delicious! Perfect for a very delicious. I may go through the whole bottle, so we'll see. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you and I have known each other and worked together. Most importantly, for three years now. Can you believe it's been three years?
1: I can't. I mean, you know that saying: the days are long, but the years are short. True. I, and I that resonates with me in so many ways. But sometimes I feel like I've known you my whole life, truly. I
0: feel that way too. I think I feel like you and I connected immediately, like on my first day. And I believe I did like onboarding with you, maybe the first day or second day. And I feel like there was an instant connection. It's almost like we fell in love instantly.
1: We did. We did. <laughs> I not I know at the time how how much I was going to lean on you. <laughs>
0: And what's really interesting that I want our listeners to know is that we work remotely. It's not like you and I work in the office together. You are based in Philadelphia. I am in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And yet there was still this connect, like an online connection. Yes. And of course, we met in person and we've seen each other in person several times since then.
1: Right, because i love to come to Vegas and we will take any opportunity I can. To to
0: <laughs> and we've developed a great friendship in working together.
1: hmm we did. And I think that this is an, a testament if you are in a distributed company, when you have two people that can communicate well online in written word, because that's inevitably what we do. We spend a lot of time on, you know, our internal tools, chatting with one another. Yes. You like can Slack, have for everybody's
0: listening, we use Slack to communicate.
1: We do. And yeah, you can, you can build a, quite the relationship that way
0: that helps you in your career, which is something I want to talk about. Like, you know, I, I, of course, I want to interview, um, about a very specific topic, but I do want to talk a little bit about your background, your career. I mean, you're, you work in business development in your current position. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, you've worked in sales. Um, and, and you're, basically what you're, you do is you sell technology. You sell solutions.
1: I do. I sell solutions. Um, that, I, you know, yes, I sell solutions, but I really sell our team at the end of the day Um, and I I talk about that often, whereas, you know, I'm in this what I consider to be a really amazing position and I get to talk about how great all the people I work with are on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and match that with a company or an organization that is having certain challenges. Um, and so to me, yes, it is sales. At the end of the day, if we needed to break it down to one word, that's essentially what I do. But really, I'm like, I'm matchmaking in the tech world a bit. Oh, <laughs>
0: yes. I like that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, to pull it back around to the topic, I mean, that is truly what I'm doing. Somebody will come mm-hmm. to us and say, I need X, Y, and Z. And then I have to go into our database of people and say, well, these are the folks that can deliver you that. hmm and then well, it's, you know,
0: course, that you can you compare it to matchmaking because I follow your conversations on our sales channel in Slack mm-hmm. and I follow the highs and the lows mm-hmm. and I'm like, holy shit, this is like my dating life. <laughs> we
1: often joke and make references to that, but it, it is yeah. for me, that's what it feels like. I'm mm-hmm. in this uh, but it's very enjoyable for me when it's from a professional angle, though. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. <laughs> I really, I, I try to have fun with it, and I appreciate rejections in that context because it gives me the opportunity to figure out what it is that I didn't maybe present well enough, or I should have maybe done better, and then I improve that kind of on the next meeting that I have. Um, so for me, it's it's very entertaining, and I, you know. In my professional world, I can look at everything as a possible yes, Mm -hmm. which is not what I do in my private life.
0: (laughs) And we probably should. I actually (laughs) listened to some of the things you guys talk about again in the sales channel and the way you guys approach um, when someone isn't being very receptive or when someone's being a little hard to get. And I'm like, oh, those are good answers. That was a, that was a good way for that. They phrased it. I should use that (laughs) on Bumble or on Tinder because you guys do come up with some really great, I don't know, sentences, answers, replies to some of these potential clients. Well, to
1: me, when I get in my, in, again, in my professional life, if there is any kind of rejection or if somebody ghosts me in my professional life, (laughs) um, I have not, there's something lacking on my end. I didn't give them enough to prove value yet. And whatever it is, is missing. I need to figure that out and I will keep going in until I get a no.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, In my personal life, I don't do that. And I think it's often because I have so much faith in the team that we have at our job.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: It's so easy for me to say, you absolutely want to work with us because once I hand it over to them, they're going to amaze you with what you can do. And I'm 100% confident in that. Mm -hmm. In my personal life though, there, and I'm sure we all suffer from this, that confidence, it wanes, it, it, it flows, it ebbs and flows. There are days where I wake up where I think that I am the best person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And sadly, there are probably more days where I wake up and think I am an imposter.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: don't have that same confidence that I have um, from a professional stance. And I, you know, I, I understand again, that there are many people who feel this way. And um, I think, especially as women, Uh, we tend to maybe take that to heart a little bit more. And again, it's an ebb and it's a flow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think men sometimes lean towards, and and I mean this in the psychological definition of it, we tend to lean towards ego a little bit more. Yeah. Um, So they have this ability to be a little bit more um, self-assured,
0: whatever that is. I knew where you were going. I was smiling, but of course you can't hear my smile. Um, But I know where you were going with this. And so I want to add to that. I think it's overinflation. I feel like men can doubt themselves in their career and suffer from imposter syndrome, but then in their dating life, they overinflate you know how they feel about themselves or who they are, and so forth. I think it's the complete opposite than what we do as women. I think in in our career we can be very confident in our dating d- dating life. We can be underconfident, and it's the complete opposite with men.
1: So I, I yes, I think that that's true to some extent, and is in you know if we're going to keep making this analogy. Men are really good at selling themselves, mm-hmm. and women um, have a tendency to want to be sold too. Yes. Uh, and i wonder And i said this earlier today i was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine about uh, evolution actually and i was saying psychologically have men and women evolved to keep pace with all of the other areas of our life we've evolved with so you know you back in the day men were hunters and gatherers it was cool mm-hmm. they went out me 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 i'm gonna get all this stuff i'm gonna bring it home and make sure my family's okay mm-hmm. and the woman was very happy to take all of that and make a home and make a meal and make all Mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. And so if we're talking about how things change over time, does some of that mentality still linger?
0: Yeah. Whereas we
1: have evolved in so many other areas, right? We're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're fighting for equal pay professionally. I think that we surpass what men can do in a professional Mm -hmm. level. Um, Mm -hmm. And still, have children, raise them, and do all of these things, still be the caretakers by yeah. nature. Um, yeah. But has that mentality where we're, we want to be um, taken care of and we take care of things, mm-hmm. has that evolved at the same pace? I don't know the answer, by the way. I'm, yeah. But I'm just, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Do we psychologically have to evolve a little bit more? I don't
0: oh, know. for sure. I think we all do. Um, so I want to talk about the big D, and and I don't mean dick. Which <laughs> normally when I say big D, people think I'm talking about dick, and normally I am. But I mean, we can talk about that too if you want to. But. We can, we will. I'm sure we'll get there. But I want to talk about divorce. I um, I, without going to details, I want to respect your privacy. But if you can just tell us frankly mm-hmm. what triggered. The divorce. Why are you getting divorced?
1: I mean, if I was going to put it in a word, it would be infidelity. But I think that we all know um, what goes into an actual divorce is very complicated. There are many layers of this. I was with my ex-husband for 13 years. Um, So we were together for a very long time. When I met him, he was very young. He was 22. I was 30.
0: Oh. Mm
1: -hmm. um that's young for
0: you too though I mean 30 is also a young age yeah
1: it's it really is and Mm -hmm. uh I you know I look at what we had as a a very good run I'm sad about how it ended for sure Mm -hmm. um but there was we we went through the conversations about how do we fix this how do we repair this can we and really I think that we both agreed we couldn't it was just at that point and so Not that any divorce is easy, Um, Mm -hmm. but I do feel grateful that he has not given me any pushback in this. Mm -hmm. It's been a pretty um, quick process, if you will. Yeah. What was very eye-opening to me is how much I learned about myself
0: through this Mm -hmm. whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's that is one of the things you get out of if you were to get something out of a divorce, um, yeah, you really learn, you impress yourself. I am so impressed with myself. Have, have you impressed yourself?
1: I'm starting to, I'm, I'm yeah. again, I'm at that point where, you know how they say a divorce is very similar to the stages of grief, the five yes. stages, but that you are not ever in just one stage. You move back and forth between Exactly. Them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like I am starting to come into acceptance or at least, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm dipping into it just a little bit here and there. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what comes on the other side of that. Um, That's nice. What was that?
0: That's nice that you're excited.
1: I I am. I'm very excited about that, but this is new. These are new feelings. This is not Mm -hmm. how I felt a couple weeks ago. Of course. Um, and that was because. You know, now I'm settled in my own place. This is the first place in 20 years where it was just me. Wow. Which is Amazing. crazy. Yeah. Uh, for- and so I'm starting to get comfortable again.
0: It was 22 years for me, 22 years in, of me, you know, well, 22 years for me being in a marriage and living with someone. And then, so when I got my first place, newly divorced, yeah, it had been 22 years.
1: So can we just like talk about that for a second, that feeling of, oh my God, I don't have to make sure that everything is perfect or mm-hmm. I don't have to, yeah. I could put my nightgown on the bed and it's fine
0: or whatever. I can keep, keep crap all over the bathroom counter. My ex-husband, I think all men actually feel this way, hated um, all of my uh, makeup and my little lotions and everything all over the bathroom counter. And now I'm like, fuck you. Everything is staying on the bathroom counter. I do not give a fuck. Yeah, you can
1: do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I haven't Mm -hmm. had this feeling in so long. It's liberating. It is liberating. Mm -hmm. It is liberating because I'm super type A um, and a little bit of a, a, like a neat freak in a way. And I've been more lax and it actually feels wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of that type A-ness was just to impress the people I lived with. And it really had nothing to do with me. That's something else I've been thinking about
0: lately. Or just to keep a controlled household, because if you're not controlling your bad habits, then he's not going to control. And we all know that men have worse bad habits than we do. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So we have to like try and display an example of how one should live with another human being respectfully and in a, hygienic kind of way (laughs) otherwise they 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 won't follow suit I mean I mean when I was dating my ex-husband when we were just dating we're in college I reached a point with him where I told him I am never spending the night in your house again until you clean that motherfucking bathroom yeah it was so gross and I mean he had never had anyone tell him that he had a dirty ass bathroom because (laughs) well of course he used to live with his mother who used to clean up after him Right. So that yeah. the exact, so, exact situation. You have to like teach them just to be clean. And then, of course, when you're living together, you don't want them to fall back into bad habits. So you yourself create these really strict n- habits about neatness and cleanliness just so that they don't go back to those gross bachelor habits they used to have. Yeah. And it just feels so
1: nice to, you know. Leave an mm-hmm. owl out, or not make the bed every day, just to give myself a little bit of a break. That has been a very interesting thing that I didn't even consider would mm-hmm. feel good, and yes. it is a, a little bit of uh, I feel more relaxed.
0: Mm-hmm. I woke up this morning, and I actually it's funny you say this, because I woke up this morning and I actually said aloud, "I am so grateful I live alone." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually said that, I just like, I, I felt so good. Well, part of it was the fact that I woke up and there were sex toys strewn about to the bedroom.
1: See, you have the life.
0: <laughs> you just I was like, it. All these sex toys all over the bedroom. Like, what did I do? I mean, I got a little stoned. I think what happened was that some of my toys weren't charged correctly or well enough. I kept running out of juice. So I had to like move to the next toy. Yep. Yeah. And I left him dirty around the bedroom. And this morning is when I cleaned him and charged him. And
1: and it's okay. No one's going to judge you for it. In fact, that is probably almost Instagram worthy. Like, look at my life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look at my life as a single woman. There's sex toys everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So you said that you had these conversations with your ex about, can we fix this or can we not? Like, take us through a timeline. I think there are, you know, there are probably women and I'm sure you've met them who are listening right now who are thinking do I get divorced do I not get divorced like there's there's so I think there are so many women right now who are on the fence and they I I feel like I need to educate them through the process and I think telling us about how you went from discovering the infidelity infidelity to having these conversations to deciding okay we just need to get divorced like would help them if you take them through a timeline? Like, was it a 24-hour period? Was it a week? Was it two weeks? Like, what was the timeline and all of that?
1: It was so quick. My timeline really? was super, super quick. It was mm-hmm. pretty much, I found out what was happening, and it maybe two weeks later filed for divorce. Wow. Yeah, it was really quick. And, and here is the reason that it was so quick. Uh, first of all, I believe that infidelity is a symptom. I really do. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that there is something else happening, whether it be in your relationship or to that person or it's an addiction or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? There is something else going on there. Yeah. I believe that in all of my being because this is not my first experience with this. Oh. um, Having said that, because I knew that, I knew in order to save the marriage, we would need to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And that work would ultimately be centered around him and mm-hmm. his healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had felt that our relationship up to that point was so much about him that I was not ready to invest the next five, ten, two, whatever it was, years focused on him again. Wow That's and. Very- It was when I when I realized that that I was not willing to give that anymore, and you know maybe that's selfish, maybe it isn't. I don't know, but I knew I needed it. I needed some attention. I needed some healing. I needed to worry about my life. And if I stayed, I don't know how long it would be, but it would be all about him again, and I would just be in the background, making sure that he was okay, trying to fix our relationship, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do that anymore. I wanted to worry about me for a change. Now, we do not have children. I think it's important for me to mention that. I understand that women who have children have very different um, situations and obstacles that they are presented with during the situation. Mm -hmm. But I needed to step out for myself because Mm -hmm. I couldn't invest that much more time. I think, again, I, I mentioned the age difference, but getting into the relationship, so much was about getting him to grow up, right? I moved mm-hmm. through his 20s. And we had a business together at one point And we did all this stuff together that was very centered around him. Um, and I think I did all that. I invested all of that because I knew that he was a special person. And I knew that he would be really great one day. And I was completely fine with all of that energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I found out that he had some other things going on on the side, Yeah, I I thought, well, I invested all this time because I guess maybe I was waiting for something and that is not the right way to look at a relationship either. There is no like final destination that you're getting to. Everything is about the journey. Mm -hmm. And I can't take this next lap of the journey because if I do, I'm going to fade away into the abyss. That's Uh. literally how I felt. Yeah. Um, And I didn't want to do that. So I, I took a deep breath. And I called a lawyer, and I said to him, "I'm filing for divorce." And he really didn't fight back. And the fact that he did not fight back, I knew I kind of I made the right decision.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. My ex-husband did not fight for our marriage either. And oh my gosh, I almost I, I want to cry just saying that. But um, to me yeah. that that's so telling when the man doesn't chase after you doesn't fight for the marriage doesn't want to make it work I think it says a lot marrying so young and I married young I was only 21 when I got married and he was 22 so I I I get the whole being young thing and I realized that you were 30 and he was 22 but again 30 still a young age he was so young do you feel like you partially raised him because that's how I feel about my ex-husband oh for sure a
1: hundred percent without question yeah. When I met him, he was a much different person. And I, you know, he grew up in front of me. I, I don't care what yeah. anyone says, who you are in your 20s is very different mm-hmm. than who you are in your 30s. And Agreed. it's very different than who you are in your 40s. And I mm-hmm. was always like a decade ahead. Mm hmm. Um, so I, I found myself saying things like, you'll see when you turn 35, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's, that's no way to live. That's just, that's not helpful to him. And it's certainly not helpful to me. And I also felt that I had a lot, a lot to offer, not somebody, but like the Mm -hmm. world, right? Like, there are some really amazing things that I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. if I stayed here. So much work was going to be invested in fixing the relationship. And I don't know if I would be able to do those other things. Mm-hmm. So I can still, I can exit this marriage, still make sure you're okay and that you get the help and healing and love that you need to still be that great person that I believe that you will be. But over here, I'm going to go after all these things that I want to go. And then maybe someday, you know, we'll be able to high five each other and say, Hey, that was a good run. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I wanted.
0: Yeah. I, I love how you are putting yourself first and earlier you used the word selfish. And I don't think it's selfish at all, especially because we've just established that yes, you pretty much raised him mm-hmm. at, in his adulthood, you know, yeah. um, two, you had already established that you were losing yourself, that the relationship was focused on him. And I think this happens a lot. With relationships, they become codependent. It happened in mine. Yeah. The relationship was always focused on his happiness, his career, his whatever was always focused on him. And you saw that if you continued after this infidelity and tried to help him fix himself, mm-hmm. that the, it would just get worse. You would lose yourself in the abyss. You'd already lost some of yourself it would get even worse. And you spotted that. And I don't think you were selfish. I think you were smart. And I think it was a survival skill on your part. So I I commend you. I clap for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Same to you. I mean, it sounds like you, your situation
1: was um, similar to mine and that you just start to realize that you have to put yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought about this so much. We took these vows in front of our family and our friends, you know, for better, for worse, all that stuff that you say. Mm-hmm. And then I thought if he was, let's say it came out that he was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. I would stick by him and go through him with the meetings and make sure that he recovered or whatever. Uh, um, but I don't actually know if that, <laughs> that's true. Like these are the thoughts that were going through my head. Would I have stayed there? Would that be a, the right thing to do? Would that have been the wrong thing to do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The most all I knew is he needed the help and healing he needed. And I needed to live my life. And the only way that we can do that was not being married anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed to me that getting the divorce was going to be the best path forward for both of us. And I have not doubted that decision since I made it, Yeah, which maybe says something about me too. Maybe I was uh, ready. I don't know.
0: So yours was like a hashtag relationship goals type of marriage. Absolutely. And yes, you did get media coverage when you guys got married. Like you guys, what was the name of the paper that you guys were in? We were in the Philadelphia Inquirer,
1: which is the newspaper here in Philly. We had a full page.
0: And it was about about our wedding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was about our love story and um, how we met and how we fell in love. And, you know, our wedding was very Philly centric and they highlighted all of that. It was a big deal. It was a mm-hmm. big deal, um, and so it, when I announced the divorce, I knew that a lot of people were going to be surprised and shocked because no one saw it coming either. I had been very quiet. Um, I got a little emo on Instagram for like a brief stint of time. I'm not gonna lie, really human. But then, uh, but I hadn't said anything. And then mm-hmm. uh, I, I had chose to write a blog post to announce the divorce if you will and I battled with that but I also the reason I did it is because I did not want to tell the story a hundred times to a hundred different people I just wanted to say go read the blog you're going to find out everything you need to know and I'm probably not going to tell you any more than that so yes um and so for me that just was a good option Mm -hmm. and um also I wanted to cut that cord so that I could go out and be free. And like, if I ever did decide to start dating, if somebody saw us or whatever, I mean, Philly is a very small town trapped Mm -hmm. in a city. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not uncommon to run into people. And Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I just thought, let me just tell everybody, get it out there. I ran it past my ex. I said, Hey, I'm going to be posting this blog post tonight. Can you read it? Just let me know you're okay with it. Um, And he was totally fine. He was like, whatever helps in your healing process, do it. Um, And then it was over. Everybody knew. And I was like, okay.
0: Yeah. Relief.
1: Yeah. I could talk about it now. Great.
0: So have you started dating? Where are you on the dating spectrum?
1: Um, I have talked to a few people. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had some people pop up from the past.
0: They always do, girl. They come out of the motherfucking woodwork like cockroaches.
1: They, they have like this innate sixth sense, like mm-hmm. my ex is vulnerable right now. I'm going to text her.
0: <laughs> yes, It's like men have this sixth sense. That's like, they just know when a woman is available, not necessarily available to them, but just available. And they just start coming out in cockroaches and Jody, just so you know, mm-hmm. there are men in your life who have been a part of your life this entire time that you've been married. Mm -hmm. who have you on there? I want to fuck her list. So that's already happened too. see. And they come out in the moment. They're like, um, she's getting divorced. She's on my, I want to fuck her bucket list. Let me scratch her off. And next thing you know, everyone is hitting you up. People who are friends with your ex husband are going to fucking hit you up.
1: See? Yes. Also, uh, I find it very interesting because to me, that's never going to win me over. Cause I realize that in their mind, it's just like a conquest type thing. Yes. And I have no interest in that.
0: And uh, Good for but, you, cause it totally won me over. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> I just, I, I just don't want that. Yeah. It's just,
0: I feel like that's just too messy and too close. Good. Stick, stick to your guns on that. I, I advise you to stick to that. But the exes, yeah, the <laughs> they're exes. so
1: comfortable right? You've been yes, there. You've been down that yes. road. And I want to entertain that so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so hesitant because I don't know. It's like opening Pandora's box. You have no idea what is actually going to happen in there. Um, and, I, and I am concerned about that. And I think that that concern that I'm feeling tells me I'm just not ready yet. Yes. So I, I'm just kind of listening to my internal being saying, "Yeah, you know, when you're ready to go, go." And I don't yes. think it's happened yet.
0: Yeah, just stick to your guns and stick to listening to your intuition. But also, don't deny yourself of anything. If you start feeling these little um, sexual healing feelings, <laughs> I mean, go for it. You know, even if it's bad sex, even if you End up regretting it. Like, honestly, it's all part of the building you back up process. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Yeah. So, right after when I got divorced, Mm -hmm. um, this guy that I had sex with when I was 17, and he was 17, and mind you, he even has a small penis. You know, I love a big dick. This dude had a small penis. So, I already knew what sex with him was like. I already knew he had a small penis. He happened to be in town. Mm-hmm. I hung out with him not. Did he listen to this show? I just <laughs> oh, he knows he has a small penis. I make fun of him all the time. He even makes fun of himself for having a small penis. Um, he's really <laughs> handsome in the face, though, is the issue, right? He, like he's <laughs> so handsome and he has dimples and he's just so cute and charming, but he's got a small dick, right? I'm not thinking I'm gonna have sex with him ever again because I know he's got a small dick. I end up having sex with him. Dude, learn how to work that little tiny dick. <laughs> because he's in his 40s so yeah. over the he's been married like three or four different times at this point point. and so he has learned the positions and how to work his tiny dick and I had amazing sex with him
1: and there is more to sex than just penetration if you will
0: well I love a good penetration I love <laughs> penetration um, and I love a handsome face. I need a handsome face to be yes. looking at the whole time. So that really works for him. But
1: I, um, I need a good mind. Like I need somebody who could outwit me.
0: Ooh. Jody, life. come on. That is a high fucking standard. Like I know your mind. There is no way there's a motherfucker on this earth who can outwit you.
1: Oh, that's very sweet. But that's what like attracts me. If somebody is can go toe to toe with me toe to
0: toe is meeting. It's not outwitting. There's a difference. I think well, you I need to lower like your to standard me. to just meet you, like m- be at the table at your level. I really do appreciate a man who can shut me up. No one laugh. has ever been able to shut you up. I, I doubt yeah. that. I'm uh, no, you, I would bet money. There isn't a motherfucker on this earth who can shut you up. Yeah. Well, but I there has to be one you. and I want to find that man. <laughs> I'm so, that man's probably dead right now. <laughs> I'd be like, motherfucking Einstein or some shit like that. Like, no, mm-hmm. there isn't anyone who can. I, I'm sure there are men who can go toe to toe with you, but out with you, I doubt that. Yeah, that's the guy I'm looking for.
1: Oh, you just so want to so come. Yeah, like, that intellectual prowess, like that, you know, I don't know. It's. I don't know. I don't even know if there's like a fake character that I could uh, compare
0: it to, but just (laughs) see, you can't even think of anybody who could outwit you. Yeah.
1: That's what I want. I find that when a a man is intellectual, but not in a condescending way.
0: Yeah. I hate Um, that shit.
1: Oh, I just, that there's something so incredibly sexy about that.
0: True. True. So, um, I wanted to ask you if you want to ask me any questions, any advice about divorce and dating, because I've been divorced much longer than you have. You are not even officially divorced just yet. By the time the show airs, you will be. Um, But I've been divorced for four years now. Not that I'm like, you know, super expert on it, but if you have any questions, and then of course the dating, because as you know, well, one of our coworkers, Christina's, said that I think you're an expert on dating. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that, but you know, I certainly am experienced on it. So do you have any questions for me? Do you need any advice for me?
1: Yeah. So here's the thing, um, about dating that I'm, I've always been very curious. I, yeah, I look at you as an expert in dating to be fair, just like Christina. Um, (laughs) I think that you have been very open and honest about your dating, uh, like escapades if you will <laughs> more um, so
0: than my mother would like by the way
1: sure my mother I wrote one post about how I uh experimented on tinder um mm-hmm. which, yeah, yeah yeah you did yeah based on your advice
0: actually
1: <laughs> was, do not meet anyone but just go on tinder and talk to a few people to just start yeah. your way back in and which was very great advice and my mother was like that was very hard to read um, and that wasn't even bad um, yeah but yes, in dating, I, what so what is your, you meet somebody, whether it be in person or online or whatever, what are your expectations for that date? Like, what do you want them to pick you up? Do you want to meet them somewhere? Should it be dinner? What are you doing? Like, what does date one mean to you?
0: So it, I mean, so my advice to you and to anyone listening would be that has to really be on you because I was just talking recently on episode one uh, with my friend Stacy and she was saying she doesn't like for guys to pick her up because she may not want them to know where she lives. Mm. So that's something to think about in terms of your personal security, right? Like, do that's you, a good point. we talk about chivalry a lot, right? Like, Oh, he should pick me up. He should open the fucking door, whatever. But she's like, you know, I don't may not want a motherfucker to pick me up because I may not want him to know where I live, you know? So that's something to consider. Um, me, if I am meeting the guy for the very first time we matched on Tinder, Bumble, whatever, and I'm meeting him for the very first time, I want to meet him up. So I'm going to drive myself there. Number one. Okay. Number two, I'm going to pay for my own way because I don't want there to be any mixed signals. Again, however, you have to consider I'm coming this coming from this, um, from a casual sex point of view. I'm looking for casual sex. I'm not looking for relationships. If I match with you on Tinder, Bumble, wherever, I'm just wanting casual sex. I don't need you to pick me up. I don't need you to open my motherfucking door and I don't need you to pay the bill. I'll pay for my half at least. Although I do talk about in an upcoming episode about how I paid for somebody else's bill. Um, But I can pay my own fucking way. So if it's just that, first, I'm just getting to know you in person date we matched. And now I'm knowing you as a human being. I will do anything and everything myself. Um, but like I said, I'm recently laid the guy who is laying me right now. Um, I've known him for four years. So of course he ongoing lay. This is, this is, this is a guy who's like an in and out lay. He like comes into my life and then he goes away and then he comes back in and then he goes away. He's one of those guys. Okay. Um, But I really, really like him just as a person. He really is a good friend. Um, And so I allow this behavior that I think a lot of other women would not put up with. But with him specifically, he's the only guy I allow to treat me this way. Um, He, he, I do expect him to come and pick me up. And he does. And I expect him to pay the bill. And he does. And so he gives me these boyfriend-like moments. But when I'm meeting up with a guy who I don't want to be my boyfriend, no, I will drive myself there and I will pay my own way. And, and I kind of feel like for women, when it's that first time after, it's not like a, a date date so much as it's a, let's meet each other after we've matched moment. Yeah, You, You shouldn't expect a lot and you really should go in there independently, able to pay your bill and drive yourself there. And and I think you should also make it casual, like coffee or lunch. I would not make it a a a a dinner date. You could, but then I don't know. I think you should just have your own sort of way of making it. So it's not so much pressure on you and on him.
1: So have you ever gotten to a date when you met somebody online and they just are completely opposite from what they portrayed themselves to be.
0: Mm, No. No, I'm so good at dodging bullets. I have phone calls. So there. very often you will have a man who will be like, let's talk on the phone because they want to make sure that you're not actually a dude. Yeah, who's catfishing them. Mm-hmm. And um, they just want to talk to you on the phone prior to meet up. Like actual
1: that, voice talk on the phone? Do people do this?
0: Yes, guys will. Wow. And to me, that's a red flag. Every guy who's ever said, can we talk on the phone first before there's a meetup? On the phone call, I realize he's a psycho and I don't even meet up with him. So I recommend taking those phone calls. When you get someone who goes, can we talk on the phone first? Go ahead and take the fucking phone call because you can always block a dude. And I always tell them that if you're psycho, I'm going to block you. So, yes, here's my phone number. Let's talk at such and such time. And you'll find out does he just want phone sex? Um, Is he psycho? Um, Is he different than what he portrayed on his profile? Because on his profile, he might be like, Selling himself really well, like I'm really intelligent, I'm really this, I'm really that, and you're like turned on by what he wrote in his profile. Then you talk to him on the phone, and he's dumb as fuck. Mm-hmm. So take the phone calls, ladies. You can always block them when you're done um, if they're trying to be psycho or dumb or whatever. And um, and then you'll get like a real sense. So I have actually dodged a lot of bullets by accepting the phone call, and I have had conversations with complete psychos.
1: Interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Seeing this is the stuff that's really important to know. How do you dodge the bullet? What is the telltale sign?
0: Take the phone call. Also, number two, when you do go meet out someone on a date, and this is super important, take a screenshot of his picture. Mm-hmm. And it may not even be his picture, but go ahead and take a screenshot anyway. His name, make sure you know his first name and last name before you even meet him. Because a lot of the guys, will they'll either use a fake name yeah, or they'll only use a first name. So get okay. his first name and his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the time that you're meeting and where you're meeting and send that information to at least three people who care about you. Right. So like a family member and two of your BFFs. Okay. I'm meeting this guy. Here's his picture. Here's where we're meeting. Here's what time. And this is the name that he gave me. So and
1: if there's trouble. People are, they know. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then even tell the people that you're talking with, like, I will text you in one, one hour when I feel safe. I'll text you in two. like really set a schedule as to when you're going to let these people know that, okay, I'm 100% safe. This guy really does look like this. He really is who he said he was and he's a nice person and he's not going to murder me tonight.
1: Have you had any like met up with people that you're like, this guy's a psycho. I need to get out of here.
0: No, but I have talked to people on the app or on the phone call who won't give me all the information I'm asking for. In fact, now that you bring it up Mm -hmm. and speaking of my Argentina sparkling wine that I'm drinking here, I'm talking to a guy on Bumble who says he's from Argentina, doesn't know why he ended up in Las Vegas. I'm like, how do you not know why you ended up in Las Vegas? Were you kidnapped? Yeah. yeah, He still has yet to tell me his back his background story as to how he moved from Argentina to Vegas to me that's a red flag that either means you have a wife in Argentina Mm -hmm. or you're not from Argentina from a different country and you're just not telling me the full fucking story or there's some international criminal bullshit that's going on here
1: yeah that's uncomfortable
0: yeah like a motherfucker's got to tell you his full name and his background and if he doesn't that's a huge red flag I so look forward to all of this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's so funny. So you're going to have all these guys on Tinder, on Bumble, on Hinge, on fucking Facebook. Now there's Facebook dating and they're going to be like, Jody, I want to see a full body picture of you because you're going to send pictures of your, you're going to have pictures of your face, right? I want to see a full body picture. And, and then if they want a phone call, it's like, they just want to make sure you're not a dude. Right. So then be like, I just don't, you know, I want to make sure I'm not being catfish. I want to make sure you really look like and sound like what I envision you to be. All these guys on these dating apps are just trying to make sure that these women look like and sound like, and are who they appear to be on the app. You know what women are trying to do? We're just trying to make sure we don't get raped and murdered. Oh God.
1: Yeah. When you put it like that. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: That's the whole thing. Like, I mean, guys are like, oh, I don't want to be catfish really. Cause I don't, I want to make sure I'm not raped and murdered. So good for you that your worry is that I'm not 50 pounds heavier than I portray myself to be. I'm just trying to make sure you don't kill me at the end of the night.
1: I'm laughing only because I, it's, it's so uncomfortable. It's the only response I have. I know. You're totally right. Like we, our concerns about online dating are so very different than a male's, and that is sad because in even my little twenty-four hour Tinder experiment that I did, <laughs> yeah. first of all, I was so fascinated by the number of men that intentionally take a dog with a picture with a dog, even <laughs> if it's a toddler. True, so everybody is into the gym, like you mm-hmm. know, fitness.
0: <laughs> They're all about fitness, family, and fitness.
1: Fitness, hiking. You know, craft beer, it was all the same. Um, mm-hmm. And also, the amount of married people that are actually on the app oh that is visiting and looking for some side action. And so, I,
0: that's more of a Vegas thing, though. I don't think you're going to experience the married men thing in Philly as much. I mean, you will, but not as much as you experience it in Las Vegas. Because let's clarify your experience was in Las Vegas,
1: it was in Las Vegas, and I am not judging those that are in open relationships of knowingly both partners know what they're doing cool yeah. good for you for making that work i am talking the one guy that i met on tinder that it did not make me want to vomit um and i don't even know why i swiped on him because he was it wasn't his face it was like his back we had like mm. the greatest conversation
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then he eventually sent me a picture of himself and i was like wow he is
0: he was Still handsome. Hot. Yeah,
1: now that he was married, mm-hmm. and I was so sad because I really wanted to go see him. If you remember, you're like, do not go see him. Yeah, do not go see him. Do not go see yeah. him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's. I was really. It, I mean, again, Tinder's probably not the best platform for looking for dating, from what I understand. Maybe, maybe that's another question. What is the best online tool to use to get started?
0: So my actually Tinder is my favorite Tinder is where I've had the most luck. Um, at the beginning of this year in 2019, I did have a four or five month fling with a really handsome man Mm -hmm. who had a really big dick (laughs) and was really great and bad and was only a couple years younger than I am like, like several, but we're talking like two or three years, years younger. And, um, it was a great fling. And I met him on Tinder. It was an awesome, amazing fling. Um, sad. It it ended when it did only because he did want to be in a relationship and I didn't, and he found somebody else to be in a relationship with. Um, so I have had my best luck on Tinder, but again, I'm not looking for anything serious. So I don't really know what the best platform is for not looking for anything serious. Um, Some women tell me Bumble, some um, other women tell me Hinge, H-I-N-G-E, Hinge. And I have yet to hear anything great about Facebook dating.
1: Yes. So Facebook dating is brand new,
0: right? Yes. Yes. And the notifications are so bad. I actually stopped So I, you can actually remain active in Facebook dating in the sense that whoever you've matched with, you can keep those conversations going, but you can then keep your profile out of that loop in Facebook dating. So I did that. I actually went inactive in the sense that you can't see my profile anymore, but I can still talk to the people that I matched with. Interesting. Yeah, because the notifications were just oh, it was too much. So you were very overwhelmed with your t- with your Tinder. <laughs> you were overwhelmed with your Tinder matches. I feel like you didn't expect to have so many guys interested in you in- on Tinder.
1: No, I was—I had not expected that. There was over 100 matches, I think.
0: That's the amazing. But goes- you know what? You're not alone. A lot of women will attest to the exact same experience.
1: No, I'm sure. I certainly was not prepared. And there was only a handful that I ended up talking to. Um, but it was very overwhelming because there were some that just cut right to the chase. Like, Hey, where, where are you? What hotel are you at? I'll be right over. Mm -hmm. Um, and then others that, you know, um, had a meaningful conversation. In fact, one, I was like, you need to date him.
0: Oh, yes. You know what? So then I reactivated my Tinder because of that one guy. Yep. I haven't found him since then. I've not seen him on the feed since you and I talked about him.
1: Oh, man, that's a bummer because
0: he was a hottie. He may have me at an age range because you can actually set your age range. You can set miles. You can set all sorts of things. And uh, you're younger than I am. He may, you're, he you, you've they, you, your age may be the cutoff point for him. And I'm older than that. So maybe I mean, we're not. what, like four years apart, <laughs> but it really could be that. I mean, I stopped my age range. I think about like 60. So there could be, you know, 65 year old men who are trying to, who want to match with me, but I'll never see them on my feed because I stopped my age at 60.
1: Wow. That's what it's come to, right? Like the oh my Gosh. There,
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. There's gonna, you know, I realized that your ex is what, eight years younger than you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to start upping the age range for yourself. No, I did. Ooh. <laughs> no, I
1: did. When I was on Tinder, I think I set 35 to 55 or something.
0: Okay. That's good. That's good. 55 year old men are good. I like that.
1: Yeah. I've never really dated an older man. I'll be honest. The majority of the people that I've yeah. dated in my life have been younger.
0: So we are, and I say we, because we are, it is we now we are at that age where we have to deal with men who can't fully perform.
1: Oh man. I don't even want to think about that yet.
0: And that is the conclusion of episode two of there are no nice guys a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I hope you enjoyed listening, and I hope you got some insight into divorce. My interview with jody I told you it was going to be raw and real, and, well, I think it really was. Please return for episode three. I'll be interviewing a friend, and we're going to be swapping dating horror stories, so that'll be funny until then you can always keep in touch with me at my website there are no see you later